Right now, Creative Cafe on WKZO. Arts news from around the area. Welcome to the Creative Cafe, sponsored by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo. Promoting and supporting the arts, arts organizations, and artists throughout Greater Kalamazoo. On 590 and 106.9 FM, WKZO. Well, good morning and welcome to Creative Cafe. I'm Kristen Chesick and we have another week of Arts Council Community Arts Awards recipients. This is my favorite time of year. And this morning in the studio, I have Denise Miller. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Denise is one of our Community Medal of Arts Award winners. And our Community Medal of Arts recognizes an artist who is a leader in their field, has a significant body of creative activity, and has also received local and or national acclaim and impacted our community through the arts. And I have to say that um, Denise has done all of that and more, and is um, we're so happy to be able to recognize her and celebrate everything that she's done in the arts in our community. You're on Creative Cafe this morning, so our first question is actually about what your favorite morning beverage is. Oh, yes. Okay. So hands down, a really good cup of coffee. Okay. Um, black coffee. Mm-hmm. But That's good. It. Yeah. I know. It kind of has to be good, right? It kind of no. has to be good. I have my favorites around town. Okay. I won't mention any names, but, <laughs> you know, home away from home. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've had a long career and that includes spoken word and written word, poetry, short story, playwriting. Can you talk about what drew you originally to kind of writing and spoken word? Sure. Um, I think initially I actually spent more time uh, doing visual art. My dad was a really is a really great painter, and so I, I spent a lot of time with him. And my but my sister and I loved reading. My grandmother was a librarian, so we were always in the library as well. And my sister was the poet. Okay. And I think somehow in high school we wrote this cute little silly poem about um i don't know like like uh tv shows and just all these fun things and my grandmother loved put the, putting things in the paper she put it in the paper oh wow okay. and i think after <laughs> that great. i got the bug and yeah. so you know ever since then i've been writing poetry oh, so you were published <laughs> at age what age like uh, what six five six somewhere in there yeah somewhere in there okay. so it started early that is fantastic well kudos to your grandmother for taking that taking that on and getting you out there in the world early yeah um because we've all benefited from it thank you you've also had a lot of book publications yes um and it, it, a lot of book publications and i know it runs the gamut mm-hmm. um You've got uh, something called Core mm-hmm. from Willow Books, Ligatures yep. in Rattle Press, full-length collection of, uh, I think it's poetry. Yes. yes. Ligature for black bodies. Yes. And then a chapbook on uh, how to make an Amer- American mass shooter. Yes. So um, it can you talk a little bit about the voice you have now? Mm-hmm. And kind of, because it sounds like there's been a progression of that voice. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, the first book, Core, was a collection. Um, Dr. Michelle Johnson, who I know is another award yes. awardee here, yes. um, she is a, an amazing historian and uh, takes a lot of oral testimonies and oral histories. Mm-hmm. So she uh, did an oral uh, history collection of um, black people and brown people who migrated from the south to the north uh, to work in the car industry, um, in the iron industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I picked up those and I thought they were really interesting and beautiful. And I was already working on a little bit of my own family story with blue collar work and coal mining. 
And so I decided to put together these persona poems and the voices of those people and voices of people in my family. And so the persona is still, I think, came through the next book as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The persona poetry uh, in Ligatures and the Ligature for Black Bodies, both are the voices of uh, police officers and others in the criminal justice system um, that speak to um, the black and brown people that have been killed by police at that time Mm -hmm. and in so many cases are still being killed. Um, And I really felt like that that the criminal justice side never really had to speak uh, for what, you know. Mm. And so I did a lot of research, um, um, autopsy reports, police reports, all kinds of things to get the stories there. And then this this collection, the the, um, How to Make an American Mass Shooter, Mm -hmm. um, was birthed in the wake of um, the shootings in, um, gosh, my brain. Um, Okay. Sorry, my brain. Um, but it ended up being really like, how do, how are we complicit as a society um, in the making of mass shooters? And so mm-hmm. that collection is going to come out from Currencia Press out of Chicago. Um, hopefully in the next few months we're working okay, on Okay, it. so it's still, still under production yes. there. And now I'm writing fiction, so it's, and, I don't okay. even know. I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> um, it seems that you've spent some time in fellowships, residencies, yeah. and, and so... Um, I always applaud uh, artists who continually um, doing that self-examination, mm-hmm. examining their own voice, their own narrative. How does that inform your art? For sure. If you were advising younger writers, poets, artists, playwrights about the impact of a fellowship or residency, mm-hmm. what would that be? It's uh, you know it's really immeasurable, honestly. Um, I think that there, it's really been wonderful for me in so many ways. Um, the first one that I applied for and got was um, the Hedrick, Hedgebrook Fellowship mm-hmm. out in Washington State, and I just fell in love with the place and got to connect with some really wonderful writers and artists. Um, so it's been that way since, like this community of writers, this mm-hmm. community of visual artists, this community of creatives. Um, in whatever ways, I got a um, American Antiquarian Society Fellowship, and, and that's like a repository of history and primary sources from the founding of this country. And so I've kind of run the gamut of different kinds of residencies, but the core things that have always been wonderful for me are um, the communion with other artists and creatives, um, the space away from this space, because just even getting in a different visual space, you know, opens up different things. And the care that other people have for us as artists Um, I'm right now in the middle of a fellowship at Prairie Rond in Vicksburg, Mm -hmm. and I'm really loving, you know, even it's the first time I've had a fellowship so close to home, and they still make me feel like I'm I'm away and that I have this space and this support, so. That's great. So I'd say apply, apply, apply. Apply, apply, apply. (laughs) Yes. And there's scholarships out there. Scholarships out there, yep. yep. Some fellowships um, pay you Mm. to be there. There you go. Some don't cost anything at all except for you to get there, so it just depends what you're looking for. Right. Right. Um, you had mentioned at the beginning of the interview a little bit about how you started out in visual art. Yes. Can we talk a little <laughs> bit about that? Yeah. So I loved drawing growing up. My dad, like I said, he would cover the, the basement um, walls with um, big, like, not really canvas paper, but I can't really remember what it is, like tarp paper. Yeah. Um, and then he would draw, like, all of these um, cartoon you know, people for us. And I'm short. I was really short then. So walking in that space was like they were these big living and breathing things. Uh Um, And so I just really learned how to see the world um, through 
my body, you mm -hmm. know what I mean, my hands. And so I really love it. And I took a little bit of time away from it when I went to college because my dad was a coal miner um, before he retired and he said, do something you can make money at. And all I wanted to do, <laughs> right, all I wanted to do was write poetry and do art. And so I, is you that, know. Isn't that every parent's, it's, it's like, yeah. It is. You're wonderful, but you need to do something. Do something, so yeah. Okay. Exactly, and not have to Thanks, go, you know, 20 feet <laughs> underground to, do, you know. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so I started picking up, um, being more serious, uh, serious again about my art, yeah. some way midway through college, but still just kind of, you know, writing was still forefront. Um, and since uh, co-founding FIRE, yeah. um, with Michelle Johnson again, we, she really, what she does best um, in so many ways is really getting people to get to back to the heart of what they love and bringing it out. And so, mm -hmm. you know, she got um, tarps for, for us from um, billboards, got billboard stuff and, you know, just, we started doing art on big things and I think she kept putting me in places where I had to teach art to kids on purpose to get okay. me back into it and so now I've just been doing exhibits um, I've had some exhibits in Chicago um, been doing a lot of painting over the summer mm -hmm. um, a lot of portrait painting um, of my own sort of imaginations of these characters I'm writing about um, I'm in the Kalamazoo calendar on the printmaking calendar for this year uh, for 20 24 coming up and so you know I can't really separate myself from my visual art um, and my writing they they yeah. just go hand in hand for me that's fantastic so if you want to come to the Community Arts Awards and celebrate with Denise Miller her accomplishment of the Community Medal of Arts you can do so um, you're just gonna show up to the Gull Lake Center for Performing Arts on Tuesday December 5th 7 p.m. you can go to our website KalamazooArts.org to find out more information about Denise and all of our recipients and also uh, RSVP get some more directions um, to go so again um, Denise congratulations Thank you've you. given so much to our community and um, we we applaud you thank you so much for your work and we will be right back Creative expression comes in all shapes, styles, and forms. The Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo invites you to get involved in your local arts scene. Are you an artist, playwright, actor, musician, or photographer? Do you make your living providing creative connections for others? Or do you engage in artistic expression as a way to fulfill a need to express yourself and share your story? The Arts Council wants to hear from you. For as little as $20 a year, you can become a part of the larger community of your artistic peers exploring resources, collaborations, funding opportunities, and more. As a service organization, the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo has been proud to serve Kalamazoo since 1966. Please visit our website anytime at kalamazooarts.org. That's kalamazooarts.org. Or stop into our offices inside the Epic Center in downtown Kalamazoo. We can't wait to meet you. This message provided by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo. You're listening to The Creative Cafe, sponsored by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo on 590 and 106.9 FM, WKZO. All right, and welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Creative Cafe. I'm Kristen Chesick, and we're continuing to celebrate our Community Medal of Arts Award winner. I have in the studio with me right now, Carolyn Keeble. Good morning. Hey, good morning. I need to ask you what your favorite morning beverage is. <laughs> 
Well, it's not very exciting. It's a classic cup of coffee, but I got to tell you, if it's not black, I'm not drinking it. Oh, all right. Okay. That's a purist. There you go. I like that. I can get on board with that. <laughs> I can. My grandfather introduced me to brown coffee before mm. I was old enough to even understand coffee. Okay. So all I knew was it was disgusting. <laughs> and if it was that color, I wanted nothing to do with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. Well, we're celebrating you today, and we'll be celebrating you at the Community Arts Awards for Community Medal of Art, mm. which is a lifetime achievement bestowed from the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, but um, you had nominators. You had people in this community that recognized your work and wanted to make sure that, that um, we recognized you for that. So congratulations on that. Um, your work has Thank been you. in music, percussionist, and then also, I know that you work in uh, music education, particularly healing arts, yes? Yes, so and music therapy. Music mm -hmm. therapy. So um, I know we talked about it may not be very interesting to anybody, but I'm always interested. How were you introduced to music? Well, it's a kind of strange and not very romantic tale. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I think it was probably largely inspired by being shipped off to the family church on Sundays. Okay. Uh, nobody else went but me. It wasn't like a family thing. It was like the dutiful thing you send your kid there. Okay. The neighbor took me. And my great aunt was uh, the organist and pianist there. She yeah. played by ear and had just kind oh, wow. of like grown up and found music in her own way and that was my only like live interactive experience of live music as a kid growing up it wasn't in my household I didn't have other people around me playing it per se it was this kind of mysterious thing yeah. and I wanted to get closer to it and uh, we were a rural family, so my family's tradition and interest was country music only. Okay. So I didn't know anything else. It's not like I liked or didn't like it. It's just what it, what it was and what their uh, interests were. So yeah. that's what I got familiar with. So then I thought, well, cool, I want to learn to play a guitar. Because I was like, oh, I could be like uh, the Mandrell sisters on Hee Haw or, <laughs> yeah. you know, these different characters that were popular in that era. So that was my, my um, sort of modeling that it caught my interest. And then for a short period of time that we had an interim minister passing through and his wife would play guitar in church. And I was like, yeah. oh, cool. She could teach me. I want to learn how to do that. You know, yeah. see, where, do, where am I supposed to put my fingers to get that music? Um, and then my sister was older than me, so she started band programs. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea why, but she chose the clarinet, and I thought it was the like Ooh. worst instrument on earth. And we were a hand-me-down family. To have to listen to somebody learn, yes. So there was nothing cool. about it that I <laughs> enjoyed. And I was like, oh, no, if I want to be in band, I'm going to have to play clarinet because it's going to be like the hand-me-down instrument. Yeah. And I'm going to get saddled with it. I was like, nope, 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 I do not want to play that thing. So we were at her concerts. Yeah. And who had the most interesting thing to do in the band the percussionists they yeah. had cool stuff they yeah. had a whole bunch of different things i was like wait they do all that back there they get to move around they get to play different things they get to do their own instrument by themselves there's not nine of them playing the same thing it's like oh, that's what i want to do cool <laughs> very cool so yeah so yeah. i like in early elementary school was like that's what i want to do so i was like dear santa i need a snare drum okay and so in fourth grade i got a snare drum under the tree 
Yeah. And I was like, it wasn't, it actually I didn't say a snare drum. Yeah. I wanted a drum. Um, and in my brain, it would have just been like a whole drum set. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it was a lonely snare drum yeah. was a bit curious. And then I thought, and what would I do with this exactly? <laughs> like, how am I going to get cool music out of this thing? Yeah. I was like, I need lessons. So the guy who was teaching the high school drum section uh, was agreeable mm-hmm. for a short period of time to teach me at least some foundational lessons before he moved to Disneyland and disappeared forever. Yeah. So I had like a year or so of study with him, um, but got me really set up and established. And so then by that point, I was destined at least that when I got in the band program, I could play percussion and not mm-hmm. be kind of... Uh, corralled into a classic woodwind discipline like yeah. was still kind of a popular thing to do in band programs right yeah but you, and so. you've taken you and you've taken that just this idea that it's like okay I, drums drums is it for me yeah yeah yeah. um but you really made that into i mean how many different groups do you play with now in terms of and uh, how much how many different percussion instruments I mean, every time I see you, I, th- I feel like you're playing something different. I, that's, that's the idea. Yeah. So I, yeah, I went into music therapy and um, percussion performance in college yeah. and got introduced finally, really, to the possible world of global percussion. Yeah. So I didn't come from a background where I had windows into that world mm-hmm. as a young person until I was actually in a college program studying it, in which I realized that... I was sort of possessed by it, and I said, I want to I learn how to play all of these things. Like, whatever drum it is, I want to figure it out. I want to know. I want to yeah. meet the instrument. I want to go to that culture, go to that country, and understand what is this about? How is this drum represented and used inside of this tradition? Because we have such a minimal kind of depth of experience mm-hmm. with it in the Western world. Yeah. And it's it's fairly limited to an orchestral perspective, uh, jazz and rock and all these traditional things, drum sets, but we don't have a great hand drum and global percussion identity in the U.S. outside of indigenous and Native American mm-hmm. traditions. Sure. So, yeah, I was just captivated by what's happening with drums and percussion in other parts of the world, and it just, like, took over my life. <laughs> <laughs> and have you taken that into your music therapy side of, of your work in the yeah, community? Yeah, so it's honestly like that that style of percussion intersected with the global drum circle movement. Okay. So in the 90s, it was this whole like explosion that happened and people just became crazy for participating in drum circles, interactive community rhythm events where anybody can come and jam and groove on drums, sure. percussion instruments, whatever. That's cool. And during that time, um, that, w- that also intersected with music therapy as a profession, and people were more interested in how do we use drums and percussion in this field. It had been a very piano-based, and then shifting to guitar-based profession, mm-hmm. and then saying, you know, drums, percussion, like this is highly accessible, highly engaging, mm-hmm. and motivating to people of broad perspectives and backgrounds and generations. And um, so I realized there was a real deficit in the profession. There was no mm-hmm. access to curriculum or to to training or education mm-hmm. for a music therapist on these topics oh, and wow. okay. subjects. So meanwhile, I was out studying and gaining information and skills and 
all this and then thought, hey, you know, here's a great way like to kind of cross-pollinate these two worlds and started developing curriculum and offering workshops and, okay. and um, led into collegiate programs and a variety of other things where I, you know, go as a guest to different programs in the country as well and just offer training and background on how to use drums and percussion in music therapy. In music therapy. So you're teaching the therapist to teach using the percussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how to use it with their, you know, clinical work that they're doing. Sure. And you've done some clinical work here. I understand that you've worked with the juvenile home. You've worked with Hospice of Southwest Michigan yourself. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So So I started, I always had a super big desire to work with youth and particularly... Mm -hmm you know, at-risk youth and those Mm -hmm. who were dealing with a lot of complex circumstances. And I got involved with Rivendell Behavioral Health Systems when I was in grad school up um, in Lansing and outside in St. John's. And then when I moved back here to do a project with Wellspring and and to teach and do some adjunct work at WMU, I was looking for places to establish music therapy in this community. So I had some wonderful conversations and did a lot of grant writing work to establish music therapy at the juvenile home and eventually ended up uh, handing that off to uh, my colleague, Louis Morand, who's been there ever since, doing an amazing job because I really felt passionate and had great interest to work in hospice. And it started to just kind of be more than I could maintain all of these different aspects. And through the Arts Council, there was a Hospice in the Arts grant program that Mm -hmm. came up in around 2005 that brought a lot of us together in the community, became a big community think tank, and ignited more interest in bringing music therapy and therapeutic modalities into hospice care Mm -hmm. throughout the region. And Hospice Care of Southwest Michigan was at that table and said, hey, we really want to talk to you. We're looking for a music therapist. I said, hey, I really want to do music therapy and hospice work, so let's have a conversation, which led to the creation of the program, which is now, you know, 20-some years strong. Sure. And we've had more than four working music therapists now as part of the team there. So it's been a like a wonderful journey, but, you know, highly motivated and a lot of that happened because of the grant that came out of the Arts Council. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Well, it's glad so to it's know really that awesome. that's still going on and that we had just a little tiny part of it. You did. You had <laughs> kind of a pretty big part. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, uh, we are out of time this morning, but um, I've been speaking with Carolyn Keeble. If you want to congratulate her in person, you need to go to the Gold Lake Center for Performing Arts on Tuesday, December 5th at 7 p.m. We're going to be celebrating her and all of the rest of uh, the wonderful recipients that we have this year. Carolyn, congratulations again, and thank you so much for everything that you've done for this community. Yeah, thanks so much to the Arts Council and all that you do for our <laughs> arts community. All right, thank you. Uh huh. Thanks for taking the time this morning to join us at the Creative Cafe. Kalamazoo is rich in arts and culture. Our commercial, educational, and creative economies thrive when our community has spaces and places to connect and outlets for creative expression. The arts improve individual well-being, drives tourism, sparks creativity, and strengthens our bonds. The Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo provides support and resources to artists and art organizations throughout Kalamazoo County. We rely heavily on grants and donations to ensure a healthy, creative community. 
A donation to the Art Council provides 650 opportunities each year to artists through our programming, as well as almost $200,000 in direct support through our grant programs and sponsorships. Visit the donate page today at KalamazooArts.org. That's KalamazooArts.org. Help us amplify the arts in our community. Now you know. Please join us next week for another installment of The Creative Cafe.